I'll never forget uh, just a few months ago. Actually, the date was, was January the 10th. And I got up that morning and uh, walked into uh, uh, to a room there in our home and uh, just wanted to spend a few moments with the Lord. And I turned to a passage of Scripture in Luke chapter 5. And I was reading through it, and it was a story about Jesus and, and how he had had an intervention with a bunch of fishermen on the Sea of Galilee. And the Lord just uh, uh, showed me some interesting things in that passage of Scripture that morning. And I went on to work, and I got to work, and just a few hours later, I get this text from Pastor Scott. And he said, uh, hey, uh, the Lord's given me a verse of Scripture, and he, I feel like I need to share it with you. I don't know what it means. Uh, I don't know what it's for. I don't, don't know the purpose of it. But it's Luke chapter 5, and it's verse 4. So this morning, what we're going to do, uh, I'm going to have you, if you would, take your Bibles this morning, and I want you to turn to the fifth chapter of the book of Luke. We're going to read 11 verses of Scripture together. Uh, if you have a tablet or if you're reading it off your phone, we're going to, we're going to read from the uh, uh, New International Version this morning. And uh, let's just uh, ask the Lord to, to, to speak to us. I'm going to start in verse 1, and this is what it says, Luke chapter 5, verse 1. One day, as Jesus was standing by the lake of Genesaret, with the people crowding around him and listening to the word of God, he saw at the water's edge two boats left there by the fishermen who were washing their nets. He got into one of the boats, the one belonging to Simon, who, by the way, is Peter, and he asked him to put out a little from shore. Then he sat down and taught the people from the boat. When he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, put out into deep water and let down the nets for a catch. Simon answered, Master, we've worked hard all night. We haven't caught anything. But because you say so, I will let down the nets. When they had done so, they caught such a large number of fish that their nets began to break. So they signaled their partners in the other boat to come and help them. And they came and filled both boats so full that they began to sink. When Simon Peter saw this, he fell at Jesus' knees and said, Go away from me, Lord. I am a sinful man. For he and all his companions were astonished at the catch of fish they had taken. And so were James and John, the sons of Zebedee, Simon's partners. Then Jesus said to Simon, don't be afraid. From now on, you will catch men. So they pulled their boats up on shore, left everything, and followed him. If I had to give this passage of Scripture a, a name this morning or, or, or a subject title, I would call it for the sake of the call, for the sake of the call. And this morning, I want us to look at four steps, four steps we go through to fulfill the call of God in our life. Now, before we get into those four steps, I want to do a little bit of a visual here. Uh, 
about this story in Luke chapter 5. We know that it was on uh, Lake Genesaret. And uh, I think there's a map of Israel here that we have. Uh, Israel is in the Middle East. Uh, the country of Israel is about the size of the state of New Jersey. It's a very small country. Matter of fact, if, you, if you're at the Mediterranean Sea and you want to go to the Jordan River, that only takes about an hour and 45 minutes to get there. But up in the northeast part of Israel is the Sea of Galilee. And, and here in Luke chapter 5, it says Lake of Genesaret. It's the same place. It's the Sea of Galilee. In the northern part of the Sea of Galilee is a small town called Capernaum. We've heard about it through, as we read through the Scriptures. And in this small town is where Simon Peter lived. It's where a lot of the other fishermen lived. Interestingly enough... It's also where Jesus lived during his ministry time in Galilee, which when he was not in Jerusalem uh, clearing the temple, he was usually in Galilee preaching and teaching. Uh, the Sea of Galilee is about 35 miles in circumference. And, and most scholars would say that this, uh, this story here in Luke chapter 5 took place around Capernaum on the northern side of the Sea of Galilee. So I want you to picture what happened here. There's two boats there by the seashore. There's some fishermen who've been fishing all night long. They haven't caught anything. They're tired, pretty rugged looking, I'm sure. They're ready to go home, probably a little discouraged, and they're cleaning their nets. And here comes Jesus. They're getting ready to have an encounter with the Son of God. And following Jesus is this huge mass of people that want to hear what he has to say. And Jesus walks down to the seashore and has a confrontation with Peter and the disciples, who, by the way, were not his disciples at that, at that time. This is the story where they become followers of Christ. The first step in fulfilling the call of God in our life is the call to submit, the call to submit. When you look at verses 1 through 3, Jesus comes down to the seaside. He walks on to Peter's boat. He walks up to Peter, and what does he do? He says, can I use your boat? Can I use your boat to teach this mass of people who are following me? And Peter says, of course, yes, you can. And Jesus says, cast out a little bit from, from the shore. And uh, Jesus sat down there um, and taught the people from Peter's boat. It's interesting that, he, that the Scripture says here that he sat down because in ancient times, uh, teachers did not teach standing up. There was no pulpit. There was no podium. They taught sitting down face to face. And that's what Jesus did to this mass of people there on Peter's boat that morning. Jesus looked at Peter and said, can I use your boat? Will you allow me <clears throat> to use your boat to minister to these people? Now, Peter's boat represented what? It represented his occupation. It represented his job, his way of living. 
And today, folks, I honestly believe that God is calling us to submit our everyday work life, our everyday duties and responsibilities that we have. He's asking us, are we willing to allow him to use our jobs, our careers? Is he allowing us to use our occupations, our our calling in life to share the gospel? I grew up in church and uh, and and uh, many times heard 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 this terminology of uh, God's called me into full time ministry, uh, God's God's called me to preach, or God's called so and so to be a missionary. And I'm not belittling that at all because I do know that God calls people to preach. I know He calls them uh, to be missionaries, but I don't see anywhere where it says. God's called some people into full-time ministry, and he's called others into part-time ministry. God has called us all to preach the gospel. Look at Matthew chapter 28, the Great Commission. Jesus is telling his disciples, go into all the world and preach the gospel, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I've commanded you. It doesn't say go into the church and preach the gospel. It says go into the world. The harvest is ripe in the marketplace. The harvest is ripe where we go out. It doesn't matter whether you work in a manufacturing plant, whether you work in an office space, whether you're a a school teacher, whether you're a a stay-at-home mom taking care of children. God has given you a platform. He's given you a ministry platform that he wants you to use and he wants me to use to spread the gospel and be a light in the dark no matter what it is, and no matter what our ages are. I travel a lot in my business. I'm gone quite a bit. But usually when I travel, I'm only in in one city one night, and I'm in a different city the next night. But a few months ago, I was in Indianapolis, Indiana. And uh, I stayed overnight there in in a hotel in in downtown Indy. And I got up the next morning uh, to take a flight and I, I needed a shuttle out to the airport, and there was no uh, hotel shuttle available. So um, I, I did what millennials are doing these days. You, they, you know, they're not, a young person's not going to call a taxi. They're going to call an Uber. And so I thought, I'm going to be cool, and I'm, I'm going to call an Uber. And I, I, had my, I had an Uber account that somebody set up for me, and, you know, you don't get on the phone and call these folks. You... you, you you punch a few numbers on your app, and uh, the next thing you know, this map shows up, and uh, you see this car coming towards you uh, on the map. <clears throat> and, and, and it even gives you a picture of the person that's going to pick you up and their license plate number and the whole bit. Technology is so wonderful. And uh, just a few minutes later, my Uber driver pulled up in front of the hotel, and uh, I got in the car beside of him. And it was a 70-year-old a retired man who was my Uber driver that morning. And when I sat down beside of him, I noticed he had, a, he had a Bible in the seat between us. And so, hey, I just naturally started up a conversation. And I said, hey, are you a believer? He said, yeah. And I said, I am too. And all the way to the airport, we just had the, a most wonderful time of fellowship, uh, talking with each other about the Lord. And... Um, before he dropped me off at the airport, he says, Roy, 
God has allowed me, a 70-year-old retired man, uh, to be able to touch the lives of literally hundreds of people. He says, I drive this car around day in, day out, four to six hours a day, and I, I get to pick these folks up, and I get to talk to them about my faith. I get to talk to them about the Lord and what he's doing in my life. He says, matter of fact, sometimes I get the opportunity of praying with them. Uh, right before I picked you up, he said, I, I had two ladies in the car with me, and I was driving them to their hotel. And before they got out of, out of the car, I had the chance to pray with them about some things that were going on in their life and just be an encouragement to them. And I thought about this. I said, you know, that is... That 70-year-old man, his car is his pulpit. It's his platform. It's the ministry that God has given him. It's his boat. It's the boat that he's assigned to that man, that God has assigned to that man to share the gospel. He's given you a boat. He's given me a boat. The question is, are we going to answer the call to submit our career, our jobs, what we do day in and day out, are we going to submit that to what God wants us to do? Are we going to submit to the, to, to the call to submit? Not only is there the call to submit, number two, there's the call to obey. The call to obey. I, I love this passage of Scripture in verses 4 and 5. It says, when he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, put out into deep water, and let down the nets for a catch. This, this, is, this is to me just a, a fabulous thing here because here is Peter. He's tired. He's worn out. And he's got all of his fishing buddies around him. So there's a little peer pressure going on here, I think. And Jesus looks at him after, after he's done all this teaching. He says, Peter, I want you to launch out into the deep. And I want you to let over... The, the net's over the side. And here's the conversation Jesus, Peter has with Jesus. That don't make any sense. We've been fishing all night, Lord. And by the way, we are professionals. We, we know what we're doing. We do this for a living. We, we have fished all night. We've caught nothing. We've caught nothing. It does not make any sense. And by the way, my, my, my fishing buddies are watching and hearing this conversation. I don't want to be embarrassed here. And uh, uh, this doesn't make any sense at all. But because you say so, I'm going to do it. What a turning point in Peter's life that, that moment. Because you say so, even though it doesn't make any sense, I'm going to obey and I'm going to do it. Before we came to Hope City, uh, my wife and I attended uh, First Wesleyan Church in High Point, and five or six years ago, um, I was teaching a, a Bible study on on the blessed life, on uh, on generosity, and on giving to a to a small group in our church. If you know anything about the the, the book called The Blessed Life, uh, it's about giving. It's about first fruits giving. It's about abundant giving, extravagant giving. And uh, it was about a four- to five-week series. And any, anyway, one night after our session, this uh, man and woman, young couple, 
tw- they're probably in their mid to, to late 20s, walked up to me and said, Roy, we need to tell you a story about what's going on in our life. We've been hearing about this extravagant giving, and uh, the Lord has told us to take our retirement account and take the money out of it and give it away to a friend of ours who's in need. And I said, you, you did what? He said, yeah, we, we, we just emptied our retirement account, uh, and uh, we, we uh, liquidated it, and we, we gave the money to our friend who's in need. And, and, and they said it was $10,000 that God told them to give away. Now, I, I have to be honest, I, I immediately went into business mode, and I said, that don't make any sense because, you know, because of your age, when you cash out your retirement, the IRS is going to hit you with a 10% penalty. You're going to have to pay ordinary income tax. I just, that's just how I was rolling there in my conversation with them. And I said, I just don't think you're being good stewards here with the money God's given you. And they said, but God told us to. God told us to do this. And we rebuttaled back and forth for a few minutes to I finally, it finally hit me. I finally realized they're doing this out of obedience. It, it don't have to make sense. It don't have to make sense. And I said, guys, if God told you to do this, if he told you to give $10,000 away out of your retirement account and you're being obedient to him, I have two words for you. Brace yourself. Because God promises us in his word that when we obey him, he will bless us abundantly. It's in his word. Four months later, the, the wife came up to me after church one Sunday morning. And she said, well, I got to tell you this story. She said, uh, a couple of weeks ago, something unfortunate happened in our family. My husband's grandmother passed away unexpectedly. It's been a very, very tough time for our family the last couple of weeks. Uh, It was a surprise to all of us when she passed away. But it was also a surprise to us when we found out that she left us some money in her will. And uh, this week we received a check for $70,000 from her will. Now the folks, the the math I'm doing in my head is I think that's sevenfold there, sevenfold, ten thousand into turned into seventy thousand. I told I told him I said I told you to brace yourself. God's going to do something big because you obeyed Him. And they said we took the seventy thousand dollars. First thing we did is we paid our first fruits to our church. The second thing we did is we paid off all of our debts, so we're free and have, we don't have any. Anything like that holding us back, we're delivered from that. The third thing we did is we replenished our retirement account and filled it back up again, and we still have money left over. Now, folks, that's God. That's being obedient. That's, that's, that's accepting the call to obey even when it doesn't make sense. And when I read this scripture here, Peter, when he cast the net over the side of the boat, he caught so many fish, it almost sunk his boat. But when we read this scripture, we sometimes forget something else in this, 
this uh, passage here, there was another boat. There was a second boat. And Peter yelled over to his fishing buddies and he said, come over here and help us. And they come over with their boat and they cast their net and they fill up that boat too. You see, when, when you are obedient, even when it doesn't make sense, God not only wants to bless you, he wants you to bless others because of your obedience. There's other people, be they friends, family, or strangers, that are counting on your obedience. They're, 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 they're counting on your obedience for them to receive a blessing. These fishermen here in this second boat, they would have never seen the fish that could be caught that morning unless Peter accepted the call of obedience in his life to Jesus. Think about the times when God's called you or I to do something that made no sense. When he does it the next time, answer that call because he's getting ready to create a, do a miracle in your life that's going to blow your mind. I've seen it. I could stay here. I could sit here for the next three hours and tell you story after story, not just my stories, but other people's stories of, of what that means and what that does and what that, what that looks like. It's the call to obey. Thirdly, not only is there a call to submit, not only is there a call to obey, but there's a call to humility. Verses 8 and 9. I don't know about you, but, and I'm not a fisherman, but if I'd been out on a fishing boat <clears throat> that morning and I had caught a boatload of fish, I'd be telling everybody about what I did. I'd say, man, look what, I, look, look what a great fisherman I am. But I tell you, when God calls you and you know it's a miracle and you know you're in the presence of the almighty creator of the universe walking on foot, there's no place for pride or arrogance. Peter realized he was in the presence of greatness. He was in presence, in the presence of God. And what did he do? He fell, to, he fell to his knees. He fell at the feet of Jesus. And he said, Lord, I'm a sinful man. I don't even deserve to be here. I'm so sinful. And in that moment of humility, it wasn't about the fish Peter caught. No, it wasn't about that at all. It was about the miracle that Jesus had done because of Peter's obedience. Everybody there was astonished about it. Everybody was. Look in verse 8 and 9. When Simon and Peter saw this, he fell at Jesus' knees and said, Go away from me, Lord. I am a sinful man. For he and all of his companions were astonished at the catch of fish they had taken. And so were James and John, the sons of Zebedee, Simon's partners. You know, when, when we look at, our, at the state of our, of our being without Christ, our sinfulness, Romans says our, 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 sin, our, our, our good works are like filthy rags. There's nothing good about us except through what Christ has done in us. There's a call to humility. And the question is, are we going to remove the pride and arrogance in our life? And are we going to give God the glory for all that he's doing, for all that he's doing through us. It's the call to humility. 
Lastly, and we're going to wrap this up real quick here in just a second. There's a fourth call. If we're going to fulfill the call of God in our life, there's a call to submit, there's a call to obey, a call to humility, but there's eventually a call to abandon. A call to abandon. I look at, uh, I'm just going to look at verse 11 here. These disciples had seen the miracle that God performed. And the next thing they did, Jesus said, hey, I'm going, you're going to be fishers of men now. You're going to go out and catch men. You're going to bring men and women into the kingdom of God. Verse 11 says, so they pulled their boats up on shore, left everything, and followed him. Notice that they... They left their possessions. They left their boat. They left their, the, the miracle they just saw. They, they left this blessing they had just received, this, this huge catch of fish. They were in such astonishment to what God did, they said, we're following him. And they left it all. They abandoned everything they had for the sake of the call. A number of years ago, uh, there was a song written by uh, Stephen Curtis Chapman. And uh, it was a song he wrote that uh, was the title of his album back then. It was, it was a big radio hit. He did a big tour, a very successful tour with it. Uh, and the name, the name of the song was called For the Sake of the Call. And it was about this story in Luke chapter 5. I want to read these lyrics uh, to you. I think they're going to put them on the screen as well. But I want you to listen to these lyrics that Stephen wrote. Nobody stood and applauded them. So they knew from the start this road would not lead to fame. All they really knew for sure was Jesus had called to them. He said, come follow me. And they came. With reckless abandon, they came. Empty nets lying there at the water's edge told a story that few could believe and none could explain. How some crazy fishermen agreed to go where Jesus led with no thought for what they would gain. For Jesus had called them by name And they answered, we will abandon it all for the sake of the call. No other reason at all but the sake of the call. Wholly devoted to live and to die for the sake of the call. I'm going to ask you to bow your heads if you would. Close your eyes. There may be some of you here today that you've never asked Christ to be the Lord of your life, to be your Savior. And coming, coming to church on Sunday morning doesn't make you a, a Christian or a believer. Being good to your neighbor doesn't. What makes us a believer and a follower of Christ is when we come to him in humility 
realizing we are sinners, realizing we have no hope, realizing he's our only hope, and we repent of our sins, and we, we, we come to Christ and we say, Lord, here, here's this life I have, and I want to exchange it for a new life. And when we do that, the Lord says, I'm going to make you a new creature. We're new creatures in Christ, brand new. And we begin this walk with the Lord. We start this relationship with him that we didn't have before. Could this morning be the time that God is calling you to come to him and surrender your life to him? If it is, this this area down here, we're just going to make it an altar right now. And you can come down here and pray. We have folks here that will pray with you. If you want to pray by yourself, that's fine too. But I believe there's folks here today that uh, you may be going through the emotions and of being a, a Christian. And really, you really don't have a relationship with him at all. I'm asking you to to accept that call if the Holy Spirit is talking to you today. If you are a believer, if you are a believer, my question to you is, is the Holy Spirit speaking to you this morning? Is he asking you to, uh, to submit to something in your life? Is there something in your life that he's, he's asking you to to surrender to him is there some area uh, that he's he's been asking you to obey him in and you've just you've held back and say I'm not going there Lord maybe there's pride in somewhere in your life and you need to answer the call to humility maybe you just need to abandon it all give him everything all your possessions, your life, your relationships, your future. You can certainly, you've already given him your past. Have you given him your future? Have you abandoned it all for the sake of the call? If you want to come forward and pray, feel free to do that. If you want to pray from your seat, that's fine too. But today God is calling us. He's speaking to our hearts. And my encouragement, my plea with you today is to listen to his voice and what he's telling you today for the sake of the call.